When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Great Takes Less Filling by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me as always is U Street. This week, D'Angelo Trill, U Street Carter, who I thought had an exceptional game. In fact, I thought a lot of the defense had an exceptional game and the Gophers lost. So I think that should tell you something. Yeah. Uh, okay, Nectins, I'm getting mine out of the, wee- uh, out of the way early. Uh, I would like to give a Nectin to every single person who came together to make the stripe out a thing that was successful. Um, That's you, the fans. That is uh, the vendors of apparel uh, who gladly took money uh, in exchange for colors that were worn in the appropriate sections. Uh, And that's everybody related to the University of Minnesota or, frankly, just generally on social media who made sure everybody they knew who was going to the game knew what color to wear. Uh, that looked awesome and was, to me, by far the most impressive thing that happened today. Uh, with that, I turned it over to you, Street, to um, just – you can share thoughts. I don't have any other than bleh. Yeah, the product on the field did not match the coordination in the stands, that's for sure. Minnesota lost this game 20-10 to to Purdue. They dropped to 4-1 and on the season, 1-1 and in conference play. Purdue has now gotten over 500. They're also 1-1 and in conference play. And to be entirely frank, Purdue has no business winning this game. But for that matter, Minnesota had no business winning this game either. Both teams actively played to lose on offense for most most of the game. Tanner Morgan was 18 of 33 for 257 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. And the last pick is ostensibly his fault, but the first two were not. The first one involves Michael Brown Stevens dropping an an obvious touchdown like no clearly beat his defender he's got a yard or two space in the end zone bounces off pops up goes Purdue Purdue gets a pick on that that I think was a good summary of the offense even when something was going well it immediately came crashing and burning down the offensive line had a horrible game the right side of the offensive line in particular had a very poor game it meant that Minnesota was unable to rush the ball. Mo Ibrahim didn't play in this game. Yes, I think that matters in the sense that even when there's basically no hole, Ibrahim's been very good at getting two to three yards. And when there is a hole, seven or eight, getting in that second level, Minnesota's offensive line provided little to no support for the people in the backfield all game. That's part of the reason why Minnesota only scored 10 points. Bryce Williams led the rushing attack with 11 carries for 35 yards. And this is a team that, when it is clicking, 
of course, Mo gets his 100 plus or whatever as he's done in the last 13 games. But also there is a lot more consistency and there's a lot more evenness between running and passing the ball. In some sense, 33 passing attempts is not a problem for Tanner Morgan, but if you rush the ball only 26 yards, I mean, that's not a lot of plays for this offense. And it's just hard to elucidate how bad the offensive line was getting beat on a regular basis against a defense that, frankly, I do not think is particularly good, but is definitely good enough, both because, of course, they won, but also because I thought that this represented the first real test Minnesota had all season. I didn't think that Michigan State was a test. I certainly didn't think the non-conference slate was a test. So this, to me, represented kind of the first benchmark of where they are. And where it is clear is that without their star running back, this offense is going to have a difficult time producing, and any offense would have a difficult time producing if the offensive line played as poorly as they did today. Yeah, let's just say the offensive line plays, we'll call it Michigan State level, you know, uh, the way they played last week. They win by 17. Exactly. It really just, it's consistency. It's, you can have, I mean, it's not like we want this team to be without Mo for any extended period of time, but I think the talent they have at the running back position is sufficient. I mean, they're not any different... uh, it's not like they haven't had to go down the depth chart at multiple times in other seasons. Bryce Williams has seen the field before. He's done plenty well uh, in his time as a running back in Minnesota. It requires the offensive line to, you know, do things that offensive lines do when you're successful. That, I think, is a, is a huge problem that cannot repeat itself. Certainly cannot seem to repeat itself against an Illinois team that seems poised to... Uh, uh, well, right now, arguably, could call itself the best team uh, in the Big Ten West. Um, yeah, there's an argument for that. I also think that Minnesota underperformed today. And this isn't the sour gripes like, oh, take something from Purdue, how dare you, whatever. Purdue was not good in this football game. No, they were really not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not It's not as if, it's not as if, oh, it's sort of underperforming. Minnesota lost this game. As I said, Purdue won it, but Purdue was also trying to lose for quite a bit of it. They didn't score a single point in the second and third quarter. They had 10 in the first. They got a gift three from a odd fourth and one call from P.J. Fleck, but one that he's done before that Minnesota doesn't convert. They end up getting a field goal as a result on that. And the first drive, Purdue had a solid had a solid game plan coming in for the first drive. Also, some of the worst tackling. I've seen the maroon and gold put down in Joe Rossi's time on that first drive. So that was the first quarter. Did absolutely nothing. Scored a touchdown at the end on the kind of dagger play, sort of a minute to go. It was, again, a very good run and a good play call, but also garbage time points in some sense, and otherwise just mustered a field goal. Rarely were consistently getting over the 50 when they were. were turning the ball over quite a bit. Aiden O'Connell had two interceptions, almost three. If Braylon Oliver had had corralled that in, I would have successfully been correct in my prediction that there were two picks, two or more picks, one by a linebacker and one by a safety. In general, I thought Minnesota's defense, apart from two drives, played very well. And frankly, Minnesota's defense played well enough that Minnesota's offense playing at its usual replacement level would have won this game by two scores. At least, as I said, I think they probably actually win by about 17 because Mike Brown-Stevens 
catches a pass in the end zone and it's 10-10 going into halftime that momentum I suspect carries a little bit the wide receivers other than Daniel Jackson who I thought had an outstanding game regular just lots of drops all over the place Tanner Morgan's throws by and large were good throws they're not something where oh the receiver dropped it but that was a really hard throw that the quarterback made him you know it was a bad throw thus it was a very hard catch that the receiver was trying to make and so maybe it hits his hand this wasn't that Tanner Morgan was regularly throwing the ball where he needs to throw the ball his receivers were not coming down with you got to help your quarterback (sighs) well you know it's Minnesota so we're due for this kind of crap eventually Um, I think some of it to be frank they're still four and one. It's not as if the season is over. And it's also not that Purdue is a bad football team. I think Purdue is probably a bit better than, than their current three and two record or coming into the game, two and two record. I don't think they're world beaters. Certainly there was a reason why Minnesota was favored in this game. They should have been favored. They should have won. This is an upset. Absolutely unquestionably an upset. Minnesota, I believe to be a better team than Purdue, but Purdue came, and when they actually played on the field, Purdue's defense, in particular its defensive front four, had itself a game. Minnesota's offensive line did not. There's your there's your ball game. If I think if we could magically simulate this game a hundred times, do I think Minnesota wins the majority of them? Yeah, absolutely I do. I don't think that Minnesota's effort was good in this game for most of it, but credit Purdue. Purdue did what they were supposed to do. It was ugly. It was awful. But they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They emerged with a victory. Minnesota did not. And to me, this game actually reminded me a lot of those Jerry Kill year games where Tracy Clay's defense was sort of low-key phenomenal and the offense was putrid. And so it was this kind of question of, well, Will the defense allow more than 10 points? Because if they allow more than 10 points, this team is going to lose kind of game. That's what that felt like. The defense balled out for the vast majority and were just completely left out to hang by the offense. I think there's a little bit of coaching there too, frankly. I Not just the general, like, oh, it all stops with me from PJ. And I don't mean this, like, oh, fire him kind of thing. More, I thought that the fourth down call by Fleck was a bad call. I think he's done those kinds of things before where it seems as if he believes that the team is lagging a little bit and so he kind of wants to do it in a sort of shock and make it work. And I don't recall any of those ever being successful. Also, as bad as Purdue was playing, I don't know why you would want to grant them any field position win, take the punt, let your defense do its job, and kind of get the ball back around that point. It was too early in the game for that decision. And I say this as someone who thinks more or less you should almost always go for it on fourth down. So I thought that was a that was a poor call. I don't think the offensive game plan in general was quite good. I think that Purdue had a very solid defensive game plan. I mean, they definitely saw stuff on film and exploited it. I don't think that Sharaka's play calling, there were several sequences where Sharaka's play calling was confusing. And not confusing in a, oh, I see the constraint, et cetera, or, and not confusing in, you know, I know more about football than Kirk Sharaka. That's obviously ludicrous. I mean confusing in the sense that the flow of the game, the plays that were being called were more difficult than they needed to be. And that's something that through the first four weeks, one of the 
mainstays of the offense has been that Kirk Scirocco has more or less called perfect games. So that was that was frustrating as a fan. Well, they get a bye week. Get a bye week to clean up execution problems. Get a bye week to get healthy. Uh, if you're one of the players who's been dinged up, get a bye week to, to cure some ills. It wouldn't surprise me that the right side of that line, the right side of that line, somebody is carrying Chuck Falaga potentially in that he didn't play for several series in this game. But it wouldn't surprise me that several of the offensive linemen are carrying something minor for football, but probably for every normal person who doesn't have access to a bunch of painkillers, probably excruciating. And I think that probably mattered too. They just did not seem as explosive as they should have, especially that right side of the line. I don't think it was a coincidence that in the second half, a lot of the running plays that were successful were explicitly going to the left and were not following the right side. Well, you know, well, ugh. I, I think I, I am having a harder time just seeing the the easy to clean up. I'm I'm in the moment of just like that was ugly, and that's where I'm living. So let me get out of that for a second. Plenty of opportunities here for this team, obviously, to still reach all of the goals uh, that uh, they have in front of them. The Illinois game, uh, of course, in two weeks is shaping up to be a, a really good one, um, both in terms of the quality. Uh, seemingly that Illinois is bringing on the field, uh, certainly in terms of um, really just the Big Ten West. I mean, Illinois has established itself early as, hey, we look like we're going to, you know, be a team to, to to have to knock down in order to win the Big Ten West. Uh, and because I get to go to that game. So I'm actually not – I'm not uh, – disappointed by the fact that that game might actually be good to watch as a football game as opposed to being a bad Illinois team. Um, I, I love a blowout as much as anybody, but good football is more fun to watch. Uh, hopefully Minnesota cleans up things to be ready to play good football themselves. Uh, Street, any final thoughts as we call it uh, an end to this takes? Yeah, I just actually want to highlight a couple more players on defense who I thought played quite well. I thought Terrell Smith had himself a game. I thought Justin Wally had himself a game. Michael Bishop had himself a game. Dixon had himself a game. Cody Lindenberg had himself a game. As I mentioned at the top, I thought Trill Carter was fabulous in that center of center of the defensive line. I am very hopeful that after the Illinois game, I will be able to call out some offensive players beyond just the singular one in Daniel Jackson. That would be a good thing. <laughs> Someone who's driving a couple hours to that game. I also look forward to being able to call out the names of offensive players as well. I assume the forecast, if it isn't already, will be rain by the time you get there. Just, you know, be gone. Beyond streets. I am not a water demon. It is not going to happen. It is going to be beautiful weather. I have predicted it. Uh, friends, we'll have recaps, of course, uh, and more coverage of what happened today on the blog. Um, we'll have our bi-week edition of the Sky U podcast this week. Uh, and coverage of everything else that's going on in Gopher Sports. In case you weren't paying attention, hockey started this weekend. That's right, hockey. It's barely October. That seems odd to me, but it's the world we live in. Hockey is now a thing. 
in late September, early October. All of that and more on the blog. Uh, so keep the, your eyes peeled for that. In the meantime, go Gophers. Skyuma, row the boat.